Clarence Caldwell's True Life Academy helps intelligent, ambitious people achieve and accomplish amazing things for the purpose of living the life they've always dreamed of. We will show you how to tap into the gifts that we all have been given. True Life Academy gives you the best possible chance of living a life full of wealth, health, love, and personal power. As a certified coach, mediator, speaker, and trainer, Clarence has the skills needed to guide you to the most amazing life you can imagine for yourself, focusing on your relationships, finances, health, and career. So join the Academy and be awakened to your true life, the life you dream of, the life that fulfills your purpose, yes, the life you were intended to live. True Life Academy starts now. Hello, 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 and welcome, everyone. This is Clarence Caldwell. Welcome to True Life Academy. This is Clarence, your host, your guide, and your coach for the week. Thank you for joining. I just want to really, really thank you. In fact, I want to remind you that that's what we do. We we always give thanks. We are living with an attitude of gratitude. That's the very first thing. The second thing is that we give. We give when we can. Always give, because giving is a two-way street. When you're giving... You're receiving at the same time. And then third, because we have the power to choose, we love first and then choose. That way you have fewer regrets. So live with an attitude of gratitude. Give when you can. Love first and then choose. Now, if you've lived your life this way this past week, I know you've had an amazing week and you have made an amazing week for the people around you. So welcome and good morning to you. Yes, it is morning because if we're having this conversation, it just means that we're waking up waking up to our true life. Now, tonight, it's you and I. We're going to have a great, great conversation about being powerful, about being a powerful leader, being a powerful leader at work. You know, I'm asked quite often uh, when I meet people, they ask me, well, what do you do? And, you know, there's a that's to me, that's a little bit of a tricky question because it, it used to be fairly easy. I used to be able to say, well, I, I run the such and such department for this company for the, for the West Coast. And it was pretty cut and dry. That's what I did. But now it's a little bit trickier for me. And, uh, partially because I, I do a few things and, and, uh, it, it becomes a tougher question to answer. You know, even tougher yet is, is the question of who you are. Now, you know, we won't take up time today talking about how to really recognize and and understand who you are. But that's an important piece of of what what you do as well, uh, because who you are kind of dictates some of the things that you do. And, you know, but it's a really big question of who you are. And, you know, it's a part it's apart from your profession. It's who you are it has nothing to do with who you're married to or or where you live or how much wealth you have or or even your last name you know someone says who are you and well i i'm caldwell i'm part of the caldwell clan Uh, no no that's not who i am so the question of who you are is much bigger than the one we're going to answer tonight we're going to answer the question tonight about what it is that you do and we talk about being doing and having being being the most important piece but i don't want to underestimate how important what you do and how you do it is really to your life. So we're going to talk about that in terms of your work life. Yes, work. 
<laughs> I know it's a four-letter word, and we don't like it very much, but it's a part of us. In fact, it's such a part of us that uh, we spend most of our time working. How much time in the day do we spend working? And I would venture to guess if you are working, if you have a job, you are answering that question by saying at least a third of your day, maybe more. So even if you have a, a, an easy, I wouldn't say easy, but let's say a job that's only nine to five, banker hours, they used to call it, nine to five, that's eight hours. Eight hours in the day is one third of a 24-hour period. So if you're at work eight hours a day for five days in a week, that's a good portion of what you're spending your time doing. In fact, it's, you don't do anything else that much. You know, some people say, well, I try to get eight hours of sleep in every night, but how often does that happen? It's usually six or seven for most, I'm sure. So working becomes the one thing that you do most of out of everything. So isn't it important that if you're going to do that much with a portion of your life, that you really have that piece in place in a way that brings you the most, we'll just call it joy, the most happiness, the most fulfillment. Otherwise, the most activity of your day, if it's not bringing you that, then it's really not serving you well. Now, swallow that one because that one's tough for a lot of people. You know, when we talk about losing yourself in your work, sometimes it means you're really not connected to who you are while you're working. Have you known the, the people who show up at work and they're, they're somebody different at work than they are outside of work? You meet them in a bar, you go out with them, or you, you just talk to them on the street and they're one person. But as soon as they get past the doors inside the, inside the office, they become somebody different. You know, I've known some people like that and it's, and it's, it's really tough to communicate. It's tough to relate to that person. And a lot of times that happens when the person has, a, let's just say, a, a job that is a demanding or a job that is um, maybe high on the food chain at work. And so they, they feel that they must perform differently or operate differently or, or be a different person at work. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how you can be a powerful person at work. And if you're a leader, if you have people that report to you, or even if you're a, a person that's, that's alone in your job as an individual contributor, you can still be a leader at work. You know, uh, I, I know several people that are moving out of the corporate environment or out of working for a large company because they want to open their own business. They want to become an entrepreneur. And even as an entrepreneur, you typically have people working for you in your new business. And if not, if you're alone, they call that a solopreneur. And even solopreneurs need help from other people. In fact, I, yeah, when I left uh, the corporate life uh, a little more than a year ago, I, I took on the solopreneur. Uh, that's the role that I took on. And I need help. So I, I, hired, a, uh, I hired a coach. I hired a virtual assistant, 
You know, I don't have an office where the person shows up every day, but I have a person I can get on the phone and, and say, hey, I need this done, and it gets done. In fact, we just had a call less than an hour ago where I had uh, uh, some administrative work that needed to take place, and, and uh, they're going to do that for me here before the end of the day or tomorrow. Um, so we hire people. I have uh, a person that does my bookkeeping, a virtual assistant doing my bookkeeping. So I have a team of people, including several other people that that help me with my business. So even though I'm a solo per, solopreneur, so to speak, um, I do have people that rely on me to be the right kind of leader. And so no matter what business you're in, whether you're at work for a large company or you're an entrepreneur or a solopreneur, being a leader at work is very important. And we're going to talk about how to be the best leader you can be. Uh, and, you know, what you're going to find is that as we talk about this, you're going to find that some of these same skills are transferable into your personal life. But we're we're not going to go there. We're just going to talk about uh, from a from a work standpoint. So the question is not really about who you are, because if you ask that question, then, um, you know, that's a whole different conversation. The question is about your work. What do you do? Generally, people don't ask any deeper than that. When they're asking you what you do, they, they're really not asking who you are. They really just want to know what you do. Um, even though, even when they, they're not looking for the real answer of who you are, they're, they're, if they ask you who you are, they're not even looking for that real answer. They're just looking for something that they can relate to right away. So if I were asked the question, who are you? I probably would answer, well, I'm part of the Caldwell family. I, I am an entrepreneur. I, I'm a coach. I do this. I do that. And that satisfies them because really when they ask who I am, they're not really trying to find out the real me. And so, but it's important that you know who you are. So that's for you. You need to know who you are, even though when people ask you who you are, they don't want to know. Uh, you need to know who that is. OK, so when I've been asked that question, I, you know, I have basically three pieces of my business that that I, I respond with. And depending on who I'm talking to, one part of my business is a 501c3 organization that I run that helps uh, kids and it mentors youth. And I'm very, very proud of that. I'm very um, um excited about and passionate about doing that kind of work because I really, really want to care for the future. Um, there's another part of my business that people would call being a life coach. And that's individuals that might come to me and say, hey, I'm struggling with certain things in my life. Can you help me in? And uh, I have an individual client that will will talk through uh, their issues over a period of time on a regular basis. And I get a lot of excitement out of that because what happens from those is they usually, my clients, I will say almost 100% of the time, hit this point of aha. They have the aha moment that says, oh, this is what I need to do. This is how I need to be. This is what I need to have in my life. So they go to the be, do, and have of their own life, and they reach this awareness and that awakening and I get so much joy out of seeing that light bulb come on for people. And I get so much joy out of seeing those aha moments. And then the third piece of my business is one around business. I coach leaders and executives to be more effective in their jobs and uh, help their business. If they are a business owner, 
Uh, I can help them with the with the bottom line to their business. If they're leaders of organizations, I help them lead more effectively and be more productive and effective at at work as a leader. So those are the three pieces of my business. And and so I have a tough time answering the question when someone says, well, what do you do? I kind of look at them and figure out who they are um, on the surface. And then I match it up with a piece of my business that might interest them. So anyway, we're going to talk tonight about when we're at work, how are we being powerful at work and being effective? I'm going to give you some coaching tonight that will help you be much more effective at work and maybe in your life as well. We're going to take a break and we'll go jump right into it when we get back. Academy with certified trainer, mediator, and life coach Clarence Caldwell returns after this short break. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central, Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, advice and hard lessons learned these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you your business and others so join us for paying it forward with josephine jirasi wednesday mornings at 10 a.m 9 a.m central on doginet.com are you ready to start rocking that woohoo that only you do because lisa stedman is on a mission she will dare you challenge you enlighten you provoke empower you to bring out that inner woohoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She's a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boohoo and turn it into woohoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do. In love, life, and business, she is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to True Life Academy, your source for developing the skills and motivation to create an amazing life of purpose and fulfillment. With more transformational keys for success, here is your host, Clarence Caldwell. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to True Life Academy. We are talking about your work, and we're talking about being very powerful in your work and being a powerful leader in your work, whether you are leading a large organization or a small one, or maybe you're um, an entrepreneur or a solopreneur. And it's very important that you that you get this piece that I'm going to share with you tonight because it can have 
an amazing effect on your life overall. You know, when we talk about working being eight hours a day, many of us work more than eight hours a day. And so it does take up the bulk of your day. And there's nothing else you do throughout the week for five straight days more than that. And so if we're not paying attention to that, then we are missing something very, very critical in the fullness of our life. Um, you know, eight hours is a long time. I don't know of any anything that you do for eight hours straight um, besides work. Now, if, I will take that back. Now, I remember uh, last, not last year, the year before last, I basically took a sabbatical and I didn't work, uh, but I golfed and golfed and golfed my butt off. Uh, almost every day I was out there golfing. Now, golf takes about four hours to get through a round, but I would often find myself after four hours of golfing, deciding to play another round of golf. And so I'd play 36 holes of golf and that's eight hours. And I could do that every day if you let me because I enjoyed it. I loved it. It was something that made me happy. There was a part of me that was being fulfilled by the, the, the game itself. Um, you know, there was a time when that when I used to play basketball when I was younger, and I felt the same way about that uh, many, many uh, years ago. Um, you know, quick story about that is I had an opportunity to play basketball about two weeks ago um, at a 24-hour fitness club in Orange County. And uh, I, when I picked up the basketball and was shooting around, I, I, it just hit me that I really have not picked up a basketball and played a game of basketball in over 20 years, it might have been 16 or 17 years, but about 20 years, that's a long time, <laughs> especially for someone who loved the game so much and played it every day. When I was a kid, I played it day and night. When I lived in New York, that's all you did. You'd get out early in the morning, you'd come back after it was dark and you were playing. You would be playing in the middle of the night uh, on lit courts. It was just a part of me. So I know what it feels like to really be happy and fulfilled doing something that you really love. So let me ask you this. Are you doing something that you really love? Is your job fulfilling you? Is it making you happy to the point where you could work eight hours, 12 hours, and still feel energetic and still feel good, get up the next day and ready to go after it again? Is, is your job giving you that level of happiness and fulfillment? You see, jobs are very, very important because it takes up a lot of our time. And, and so to, to have that level of joy and fulfillment, I know it sounds weird to a lot of people that you could have happiness and fulfillment at work. It's like oil and water. The, the, the two just don't mix. Work and happy? How, how does that go together? That's because people who feel that those things are not related is because they're not doing the things that bring them joy and passion and fulfillment. When you are working, doing the things that bring you joy and passion, fulfillment, such as you know, running a 50C3, 501c3 organization. See, I've gotten away from calling it a nonprofit organization. See, I believe nonprofit is a word that, you know, I, I've tried, I'm trying to strike it from my vocabulary because it just means there's no money. That's what it means to me. Nonprofit means no money. So I call it a tax-exempt organization or a 501c3 organization. But when you're doing something that you really love, like helping those kids uh, really, really uh, get a lot of fulfillment out of that, or you're helping individuals, 
reach those aha moments or helping businesses thrive and watch leaders get those aha moments. That's happiness and fulfillment to me. Now, you have to decide what what that looks like for you. To you, it could be uh, you're in IT and you just love solving computer problems and you could do that 18, 20 hours a day and not tire of it. I mean, you could golf, you know, uh, eight to 12 hours a day and not tire of it. You could do any number of things that you really love. And that then becomes something that is doesn't feel like work. So it's important that you identify where that gap is for you. If you are not enjoying your work to that degree where it just almost energizes you and then you're ready to go at it again the next day, I offer to you that we should take a look at that. And because I think that that is a, an issue that bubbles over and flows over into other parts of your life. You know, I, in fact, I know that it's something that should be for you. You should, and I don't mean should in the sense of um, being critical of you, but you were intended, let me use that word, you were intended to live a full life, not just away from the job, but a full life, meaning your work, your play, your home life, everything. That's what balance is. When we talk about balance, when I talk about life balance, I'm going off on a tangent here. I'm going to get back to the subject here, but I just want you to, to, to get this one. Life balance is not about how many hours you spend at the office versus how many hours you spend with your family versus how many hours you spend uh, doing something you love like golfing or, or basketball or, or, or whatever it is, computer science. Balance is about wherever you are that you're fully present in that activity, that you are bringing your full self there. If you're bringing your full self at work and you're bringing your full self to the games that you play and you're bringing your full self to your home life and your family and you're bringing your full self to whatever it is you're doing, it doesn't matter about the time in terms of balance because I will tell you, it's very difficult to say, I'm going to spend eight hours at work, I'm going to spend... Um, Four hours with my family, I'm going to spend three hours doing something I love, I'm going to spend eight hours sleeping. If you're going to chunk out your day that way, that gets kind of stressful because it's going to change. Something's going to come up that change that time frame for you. So the key to life balance is being fully present at everything you do. And when it comes to work, if you're not doing something that you really love, if you're not doing something that energizes you, that you want to go after and get after the next day, uh, then I would just examine that. And, I, you know, I tell you what, give me a call because this is what I do. Call me or write to me. Go to ClarenceCaldwell.com. Send me a note or, or send me an email at info, I-N-F-O, at ClarenceCaldwell.com. Send me information. We can talk about it directly. Um, I have programs that address this issue directly. And so if you're not feeling happy and fulfilled with the work every day, we need to talk. Okay, so let's get moving. Um, you know, if you're struggling, you know, I hear every day I hear someone that is either struggling or challenged with their career, their job, or, or maybe their boss, uh, or even if they own a business, they're struggling with their business. 
every single day. I get either an email, I get a phone call, or I hear of someone who is struggling in their career, their job, their, with their boss, with, with their business. So this is not unusual. This is, in fact, it's almost running rampant. It is kind of the norm. Unfortunately, it is becoming the norm. And because of that, I think it's important that we stop, you know, just slow this train down a little bit, stop and examine why that struggle exists. And um, as, a, as a portion of that examination, uh, I really want to make sure that we take care of the contrast that takes place between what it is that you do. That was your question. What do, what do you do? Versus what do you want to do? See, when there's a gap between what you do and what you want to do, that becomes a very interesting uh, space to look at. You know, it's, it's like, like I was talking about playing basketball or, or golfing. You know, if you're doing something that you really don't want to do, you're not going to get the most out of it. And you're not going to probably give the most of yourself to it. And it's going to feel more like work. Now, if someone said to me, Clarence, let's go play um, soccer for four hours. I don't mind watching soccer, and you know I've never played it that much, um, and I might enjoy it. But given a choice, I'd rather play golf for four hours. So if I'm playing soccer, I'll get through it, and I'll work through it, and I'll you know have a you know relatively good time doing it. But if I really want to play golf, then there's a gap there, and that's what's happening in our in our work lives. Many times we are playing soccer at work when we'd rather be golfing at work, if you get my, my metaphor. So if you're playing soccer and you'd really rather play golf, examine that one and let's talk about filling that gap. Now, there's, there's two approaches to filling that gap and understanding how it is, uh, how it is to be a very good uh, leader and to be happy and to be fulfilled at work. And the one way that people try to do it, it's, it's one way that is probably most often used. And I call it the forceful method. So people are forcing their way through their daily job. Being very forceful is a way that can be uh, marginally successful and you can experience success by forcing your way through every day. And But I want to be clear about the difference here, because people who are generally forceful in the things that they do, there's a certain character, there's a certain list of, of characteristics that they, they carry and that they exhibit. It's kind of a profile, if you will, of the forceful person, the forceful leader. And, uh, and I want to give you just kind of an insight as to what that looks like. Because if you recognize these things about what it takes to be forceful, um, I think your eyes will be open to the, the, either your own behavior or the people around you and how they're behaving. So we're going to take another break here. Time is flying by here and we're going to get to this and we're going to get through it. But uh, we'll talk about being forceful right after this.
Life Academy with certified trainer, mediator, and life coach Clarence Caldwell returns after this short break. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central, Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, advice, and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to True Life Academy, your source for developing the skills and motivation to create an amazing life of purpose and fulfillment. With more transformational keys for success, here is your host, Clarence Caldwell. Okay, so we're talking about force now. And and when you force your way through your day and you use that as your primary characteristic or your primary mode of operation, it has an effect not only on the people that um, are impacted by your forcefulness, but on you as well. And it bleeds over into your personal life. So let me give you um, some insight to to being forceful here and what that might look like. Uh, One of the things that creates the forceful mindset is a person's... um, well, we'll just say your your station in life or your station at work. So if you're the boss at work, um, you carry the biggest stick. You have the biggest bat. And so you you walk into a meeting and you've got that bat in your hand. And so the, the forceful person is very aware of how big their uh, club is, their stick. And they will use it or even threaten to use it to get the things moving in their organization or within their work group. Now, that's kind of an extreme uh, view of it, but it happens subtly at times as well. People aren't always as overt with waving their big stick around. They are often just giving you subtle hints about 
how, how, how powerful they are. And so, um, you know, this thing about being powerful, uh, some people use force to portray that. You know, they can also be pretty intimidating, someone who's very intimidating. Uh, as I mentioned these adjectives and these, these characteristics, see if you know anybody that fits one or more of these, these, uh, these characteristics. If they're intimidating, they will use whatever they can to get you to comply. Um, they might be the most wealthy person in the room. They're the richest person there. And so, you know, in, in some regards, there's a sense that they're the most powerful person in the room at that time. You know, they might own the, the most things. You have the most toys. You, you, come, over, you come over someone's uh, house and they've got the, the man cave with the video games and the beer and, and the pool table and, and everything. And, and they'll say, hey, this is what we're going to do. And you, you listen to them because they're, they're going to say they're going to dictate the rules because they own the most stuff. And that's why you're over there. Uh, and, you know, this is, this is the other thing. Some, of, some people use uh, their voice to be what they call powerful. And they are the loudest person. Have you ever been in an argument and you get you get to the point where you're just going back and forth with someone? And I, I think about this from time to time. When you get into an argument, you almost stop listening at some point and you just want to get your point across and you don't even hear what the other person is saying because you're talking. And they're in that same mode. They stopped hearing what you had to say because they want to get their point across. And the next thing you know, you're in full duplex mode, which means that you're both talking at the same time, but no one's listening. And uh, you get to a point where if your point isn't really heard, you get even more forceful. You start to raise the volume. You start to really clench your fist a little bit and your body gets tight and you start to raise your voice because you want your point to be heard over the other person. So you use your, your, your loudness. You drive it up several decibels. You use your size if you're bigger than the other person and you stand up or, or you do all these things so that you can be forceful while you think what you're doing is being powerful. And in fact, you're not. You're just being forceful. So even at work, we see this play out time and time again. You know, people at work sometimes leverage their position as a, a, a position of power. They might be the president or the vice president or a general manager or something. And, and as long as they have more stripes on their sleeve, or more what we used to call in the service, scrambled eggs on their hat. That's those gold leaves that, that are on the, on the hat in front of a military hat. They have more scrambled eggs on their hat or more hash marks on their sleeve than the person they're talking to. Then they might use that as being the most powerful person at that moment in time. But I'm here to tell you that that's not being powerful. That's just being the HMFIC. We used to call it HMFIC. For those of you who don't know, that's a military term, the head mother father in charge. I did say mother father, but you can you can substitute the F for whatever you want. But the HMFIC is that person in charge and they will use their position 
to be the powerful person. And that HMFIC is usually an SOB. And that's where that comes from, because they are not really using power. They're using force. I hope that makes sense. So being forceful is, um, is, is a place that I'm not sure you really want to be. Well, here's the deal about being forceful. You can be successful being forceful. You can be successful being forceful. A lot of people are. So this isn't about whether or not you can be successful. It's about that gap that we talked about. It's about the contrast about what you do versus what you want to do. And that gap is very interesting because when you're doing things that you really don't want to do, you will have a tendency to use force to get through the day. You will use force as a way to make sure that you're going to be successful through the day. Because it's not something that's coming from you naturally. It's not something that is floating your boat. It's not fulfilling you. It's not making you happy. So you're going to have to force yourself into being successful by being forceful and getting things done. I hope the dots are being connected for you as I describe this. So if you're in that mode, what does it, what does it feel like to the people that you're being forceful to? You know, when you're forceful with someone, they will often comply to what it is that you want them to do. And that's very important because the people who are being forceful, that's exactly what they want. They want to control the outcome of whatever the situation is. So they're very forceful. But notice that I use the word comply because compliance is one of those things that happens when someone really doesn't want to do it, they are just complying to get through it. And when a person is complying to meet the need of the forceful person, as soon as the pressure is off, they are no longer compliant. It's a natural thing to, to, to fall back from being compliant. You see, when you're in an argument with someone and you're raising your voice because you've been talking over that other person and they've been talking over you and, and your point just hasn't been heard and you just want to get your point across and you want to get it across to the point where they agree with you and they are going to say, yes, you're right. And I'm not going to stop yelling until, yes, they're right, till they say that you're right. Clarence, you're right. And when they say that, then I'm happy. But I will tell you this. If you continue down that path and that's the way you operate, that person's not going to stick around because no one wants to be made wrong all the time, number one, and no one wants to be talked down to all the time, number two. And number three, no one wants to be in a place where they're not heard. So coming from a place of force, even in a, in a case of an argument, pay attention to the next argument you have. And I know you'll have one. We all have them from time to time. And I've caught myself a couple of times when I have started to raise the decibel level just slightly to get the point across. Then I know I've gone too far. But I know that I'm being forceful and not powerful in that circumstance. And I might get the person to finally just say, OK, I, you beat me to a pulp. I agree. But I will tell you this, it is not where you want to be because that person is only being compliant. And compliance is temporary. 
If you want a long-lasting solution and a long-lasting following, if you will, you have to come from a different place. And that is a place of power. Uh, I can give you a, um, an example of, uh, I was going to save this for later, but here's, here's an example. I worked for a leader. He was the head of a huge organization. It was a big company. We had 60 to 80,000 employees. I'm not sure exactly how many, uh, about 70,000 70, employees. And I was the vice president at the time, and he was my boss. And he, uh, obviously, in a company that size, when you're vice president above, you carry a lot of juice. So this guy had a lot of juice in terms of his position. And in our organization, which means there were other vice presidents along with me, in his organization, he had people that were leaving the organization. They were literally quitting and going to work for the competition. And he came to us, my peers and I, and uh, because he was uh, he was our leader, and I use that word loosely, loosely uh, he made a, a statement which I wholeheartedly agreed with. And it was kind of a brilliant statement. He said that, you know, people don't quit companies. They leave their supervisors. So I want each of you to get out there and find out which supervisors are creating the problems here. So this was, again, a brilliant comment, but the way he went about leading the entire organization uh, was the kind of thing that was more forceful than powerful. Um, I will also tell you that just a few short months later, I tendered my resignation. And I, I'm sure it didn't make him feel very happy <laughs> knowing that people don't leave companies. They leave their supervisor. Um, so it, it, he's absolutely right. And that was one of the main reasons that I went off to greener pastures. I would never have looked anywhere else if I was being happy and fulfilled in working for a powerful person and not a forceful person. So keep that in mind as you go through your day-to-day -day at work. Are you being forceful or are you being powerful? Are you, in your arguments, are you raising the decibel level so you can be heard and that's really being forceful or are you being powerful? When we come back uh, from the break here, I'm going to give you uh, the insight and the characteristics and the profile of a powerful person. And you can see the dichotomy there. You will be able to clearly see what it takes to lead in a very powerful way. We'll be back right after this. Academy with certified trainer, mediator, and life coach Clarence Caldwell returns after this short break. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. 
This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Are you ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She's a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to True Life Academy, your source for developing the skills and motivation to create an amazing life of purpose and fulfillment. With more transformational keys for success, here is your host, Clarence Caldwell. So when we work from a forceful place, we find ourselves really in a place that is not authentic to the environment that we're in. And so that lack of authenticity, that lack of connecting to uh, what we know people need from us is where a lot of the conflict takes place. And, And I'll just tell you this about what people need from us. I think we have, I'll call it a sixth sense or seventh sense or, or an eighth sense. Pick a number beyond five. Uh, and that's the sense that we have when we know what other people really need from us. You know, very quick story about uh, taking a flight to uh, from, I believe I was either going to New York or coming from New York. Doesn't matter where I was headed. I was on, a, on an airplane and I sat in a seat where a woman was walking down the aisle, uh, and, I, and I was saying to myself, I hope she doesn't sit here, I hope she doesn't sit here, because she was a little bit heavy. And the, the, the issue was about, um, for me, it was about a selfish um, wanting to have a little more room, because the, the flight was kind of full, and she stopped near our seat, and she struggled to get her carry-on bag above the overhead compartment. And I sat there, uh, and because I was so intent on thinking about her sitting next to me, I didn't even think to help her with her bag. In fact, it was like, I'm just going to ignore her. Uh, that was not being true to me. And uh, because I really knew, deep down, I knew that she needed help with her bag. And, I mean, this was many, many years ago, but it, I could see it as if it's yesterday. That's, that's the thing. When you're not true to you, you never forget those moments. Because you know it's such a disconnect from reality, your reality. It's such a disconnect from life. And there are lessons for you, and you carry those around forever so that you don't repeat those. But I'm, I'm so sorry I didn't help her with her bag. Uh, she ultimately sat next to me. <laughs> uh, and, and I will tell you this. This is what happened after that. Um, after we took off, I turned to her and I said, 
I am so very sorry. I, I hope you can forgive me. And she said, why? I said, I said, because I saw you struggling with your bag and I did not get up to help. And in fact, I was hoping that you wouldn't sit here. Now that took a lot for me to say. And, but having said that, um, it changed everything for her as well as for me. She cried. Uh, not because of my in, my insensitivity of, of of her size or not helping her with the bag, but she cried and she told me because no one has been that honest with her. No one. She knows that people see her a certain way, but no one has that, actually said that and then asked for forgiveness. So it touched her heart in a way that made the difference. And we talked for whatever the the length of the flight was, four or five hours. And we had the greatest conversation and it just changed everything. And, and so I still remember that because I was not being true to me. I was, I was being in my forceful, uh, demeanor, demeanor where I was, you know, just going to will her not to sit next to me. And of course it didn't work. Uh, but, uh, when I really touched that place in me that was more authentic, it changed everything for not only me, but for her as well. So when you come from a place of of power and when you're at work and you're coming from a place of power, people know it. You feel it and you know it. And the people around you feel it and know it. When you walk into a room, people know it and they see it and they feel it. You don't have to be waving that big stick around. They know it. It's something that's, it's an energy, I'll call it more than, you know, I don't know what other word to call it, but it's people that walk into a room, you know, now that's a person that is on top of it. They are together. They have it. They, I, they, they are the stuff, right? So, uh, it, it, when others know it and feel it, they are more than happy to follow. They're not just going to be compliant when you wave your stick around because you've got the, the biggest title in the room or uh, scrambled eggs on your hat, uh, stripes on your sleeve. They follow you. They are not going to be just compliant. You know, they see their connection to you. And it's, it's kind of an interesting phenomena because you see, you know, when, when a leader walks in the room, and they are a powerful leader, and they're leading from a place of power, not force, they recognize that they are the same as you. They recognize that they just happen to have the title, and they have more responsibility, and they might get paid more, and they may have more of this or more of that, but they also recognize that you are the same as they are. And when they recognize that, they treat you differently. And it's about respect. It's about uh, uh, understanding the connection that you have as people. And they don't see themselves as superior or inferior. Uh, and this just comes from a natural place for a lot of people. Some people have to learn how to do that. But for some people, it becomes a natural thing to do. And they become committed to the task. The people that follow them become committed to the task because they want to follow what that leader wants. You know, the leader themselves want to get that task done and they are going to be really, really focused and they're going to do what it takes to get it done and they're going to be committed to getting it done. But they're also going to be caring for the people that they know they need to, in order for it to get it done. 
And that reduces the level of conflict within the leader and within the team. They're more open and, and more sharing of themselves so that they, you know, their team recognize that they're just another person, just like, like you are. They're not putting up this facade as I'm, I'm a king of the hill and you guys are my minions and, and we're going to get this done. I mean, that's one way of doing it. And a lot of people operate that way. I will tell you, a lot of people operate that way. That way, but the people who operate from a place of force, I'm going to tell you that they're operating from a place of fear. Now, they won't admit it. And in fact, many of them don't even know it. But that's what's at play here. They're fearful of any number of things. They're fearful that they won't be taken seriously. They're fearful that uh, they won't be respected. They're fearful that the, the job won't get done on time. They're fearful that they're going to fail in their position. They're fearful because maybe the boss is putting so much pressure on them that, that they'll be rejected if they fail at this task. They're fearful uh, of being embarrassed if, if the team doesn't come through. They're fearful. All of these underlying fears are driving them to pound their fist on the table, wave the big club in the air, and get people to comply because they don't want the opportunity to fail. They don't want anything to get in the way. And that's how they get their point across. And that's how many, many leaders today succeed. Yeah, now I didn't say being forceful is not a successful strategy. Many leaders are successful being forceful. But I will also tell you that it is temporary. Uh, being a powerful leader, and there is a difference, being a powerful leader comes from a place not of fear, but a place of love and caring. That's the opposite, yes. Now, just like the, the forceful leader, the person that's powerful may not admit that that's where they're coming from. They may not even know that they're coming from a place of love and caring. But truly, that's where it's based. And because of that, they connect with people on a different level. And that connection with people allows them to gain followers and not people who are merely complying. Can you name some people who are powerful leaders or some people who are forceful leaders? I'm going to give you a quick little test here. I'm just going to name off some names of well-known people. And you tell me if you think they're, they're powerful. Because many of them are mistaken for being powerful. Or whether or not they're forceful. Anthony Robbins. I know that's a familiar name to a lot of people. Powerful or forceful? Oprah Winfrey. Powerful or forceful? Donald Trump. Powerful or forceful? Saddam Hussein. Not alive anymore, but was he powerful or forceful? Muammar Gaddafi. Powerful or forceful? Martin Luther King. Powerful or forceful? Mahatma Gandhi. Powerful or forceful? Now, when you, I think the list, as we've described what power is versus force... I think as I mentioned those names, it's probably more obvious to you now. Whereas in the past, you may have thought of Donald Trump, Donald Trump as a very powerful man. But clearly, he uses force more so than 
authentic power. And although he is in a powerful position because he's the wealthiest man or he has the biggest title, clearly he's not the most powerful person because he gets people to comply out of fear. No one wants to hear the words, you're fired. So that is a position of force. When you think about the folks who are also forceful like Saddam Hussein or, or Muammar Gaddafi, once they lost their titles, Saddam Hussein was found cuddled up in a hole in the ground because he was no longer that powerful person because his power came from force. Likewise with Muammar Gaddafi in the streets getting beat up by people because he lost his stripes. But when you think about Nelson Mandela and Martin Luther King and Mahatma Gandhi and Oprah, and those people are powerful because they come from a different place. What are you doing at work? Are you powerful or are you forceful? The people around you, are they using power or are they using force? This is an important aspect to true leadership, long-lasting leadership. If you're changing jobs, if you're trying to move ahead and get a promotion in your job, if you're trying to navigate the shark-infested waters of your company, I think you keep that in mind, and it will serve you well over your career. That's our message today. Contact me at ClarenceCaldwell.com, and we can talk more about it. If you want to know more, there's so much more to this than I've just shared with you, and I would love to help you individually or your teams. Until next week... I want you to all remain powerful, powerful people at home and at work. Always remain thankful because gratitude has to happen before happiness begins. Give when you can. Love first and then choose. We'll talk again next week. for joining us on today's True Life Academy. Certified coach, trainer, and motivational speaker, Clarence Caldwell, returns next week at this same time to share his keys to success to help you achieve the life you dream of. Yes, the life you were intended to live.